What's happening, y'all? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the flagship show for the Land Grant Holy Land podcast network and landgrantholyland.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host and want to welcome you into a new episode of the show. Make sure to subscribe to the show if you are not already, of course. Leave a review, leave a rating, leave us some feedback, let us know how we are doing, and of course, follow us on Spotify and follow the show at Holy Land Pod. That's where you can interact with me on Twitter and leave questions, comments, and have your voice be heard, please. I'd love to read anything you have to say and get you on the show. So at Holy Land Pod, and I am at Dubsco on Twitter. Okay, so this week's preview podcast is probably going to be a little bit shorter than the ones I've done so far this season because basically we don't really need to deep dive too much into Ohio State's game with Miami, Ohio this week. Uh, There's not really anything that I can tell you about this game that you don't already know. Not that that isn't the case for any other week, but we really don't need to break this down. We kind of know what's going to happen. Ohio State is going to roll this week. So this week's podcast is just going to try to focus on what we can learn about Ohio State this week going forward. What, What can they do in this game that either builds upon what we've seen for the first three weeks, patches up some of the minor problems that they've had, or if they just show something completely different right before we get into the heart of Big Ten play and that primetime game at Nebraska next week. Before that, though, let's just break down the opponent a little bit and get to know Miami, what they do, who they are, some of the areas that they excel in that they struggle in, where they might be able to test Ohio State, all that good stuff. So the Redhawks are 1-2 and two on the season. Their only win was over Tennessee Tech a couple weeks ago, 48-17. to And their two losses were the season opener at Iowa, 38-14. to And at Cincinnati, who the Buckeyes also played, of course, uh, last week. They lost 35-13. Miami, Ohio is 98th in SP+, so even for a MAC team, not great. They have the 81st ranked offense led by a running game that against Iowa and Cincinnati combined for 65 carries for 123 yards in those two games. So just under two yards per carry, which probably won't cut it against the Ohio State defense. Uh, They also have Brett Gabbert at quarterback, Blaine Gabbert's little brother, who's averaging a respectable 7.8 yards per attempt. So that's something to watch out for. It seems like they can throw the ball relatively well. They have a smart quarterback at least who isn't uh, afraid to throw the ball downfield a little bit so maybe you'll see a couple tests for the Ohio State secondary so that's definitely something to to keep an eye out on but that's really going to be the only way they're going to move the ball because like I said when your average yards per carry is under two yards against the two power five teams you've played this season um, it's probably not going to bode well for you against Ohio State's defense who has been really awesome against the run so far this year. So that don't expect much of Miami to try to just like pound the ball on the ground and try to be really hard-headed and establish the run game. If they really want to do anything, it's just going to have to be throw, 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 which invites more turnovers. Like we saw the Damon Arnett pick six against Indiana last week, tip balls, havoc plays. This defense has had a little bit of trouble, I think, finishing and and turning the ball over they were a little bit better in that regard against Indiana with that Arnett play but that's something that could lead to a lot of opportunities for them this week a lot of third and longs and to just let the defensive line get to the quarterback 
create those havoc plays, have linebackers fill those passing lanes, tip passes up, and then when you have the players that Ohio State does in their secondary, that's when they start to feast and they can play aggressive. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple, maybe two, three interceptions in this game just based off of Miami's need to throw the ball around and not really being able to run at all. When it comes to the Red Hawks' defense, they aren't very good there either. In fact, they're rated worse than SP+. They're 96th. But really, the, the only stat of theirs that stood out to me that I think is worth watching in this game and how Ohio State does against it is that they're very active behind the line of scrimmage when it comes to making tackles for losses. They got 22 so far on the season. That's good to be in the top 30 in the country. Only had one against Iowa, but they had 10 last week against Cincinnati. Very active defensive line. And that's that's something to watch because Ohio State's offense has allowed 16, which is middle of the pack and really isn't too much of a surprise given how young this offensive line is and they're still kind of working out the kinks on this offense, I think. They've been pretty good so far, but that's definitely something to look for and an area that they can do a better job of cleaning up. Because even though they ran the ball really well against Indiana, had a good success rate, I think they were efficient, they made a ton of explosive plays between J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague, they still gave up six tackles for loss. I don't know how much of that was the second string, but even then, even if it was those guys, that's something that second unit has a great opportunity to work on against a team that even those guys, I think, severely outmatch. So something to watch to see how the offensive line depth works and whether or not they're able to keep those Miami, Ohio defenders out of the backfield. Outside of that, though, Ohio State's offense shouldn't really find much resistance from Miami's defense. They should be able to throw the ball down the field, generate explosive plays, Still wouldn't expect to see much, if any, of Justin Fields on the ground, except if it's like last week where they're on the goal line, you can run a a read option, get him involved that way, just get him a touchdown. But no need to overuse him in the run game this week. think it's probably going to be a fairly simple game plan, nothing too fancy. When you've got a big primetime road game against Nebraska on deck, and really this is just one of those games where you want to see Ohio State score on their first five drives and just get get the starters out. Get them out as quickly as possible. Keep those guys fresh for the rest of the season and get a lot of reps for young players. Maybe even sprinkle those in uh, amongst the starters earlier in the game. Ryan Day and his media availability said this is about the time where they start having serious discussions amongst the staff about which freshmen are going to redshirt, who's going to end up playing the whole season. So that's something we're going to find out this week as well of, hey, out of those freshmen, who's going to play the rest of the season? I think we can confidently say a guy like Garrett Wilson, he's playing for the rest of the season. They're going to need him in Big Ten play. Uh, They're going to need him to get those reps. Same for Zach Harrison along the defensive line. But we're going to see a lot of other guys that maybe this is their last game playing right now for this season before they take a red shirt. So, Who's going to step up out of that second group and really make a mark for themselves as a player that can be counted on for this season? So that brings us to what we can learn about Ohio State on Saturday. And for me, the number one thing, or at least the the number one thing I want to see is Justin Fields early and his accuracy. Something we talked about 
in the review of the Indiana game, something talked about in the preview, and Ryan Day addressed that after the Indiana game. Some of the high throws we've seen from Fields, stuff that I just think is, is normal young quarterback stuff. He's going to be a little bit inconsistent with his accuracy, his mechanics. You see him rely on throwing off his back foot a little bit, even when he has time. That's just stuff that he's going to have to fix with more game reps and game situations. So even though it's against an opponent that I think that they should carve up and they probably aren't going to pass the ball a ton because the, the ground game should be working and there's, there's really no reason to, I would like to see a lot of fields early, especially on that first drive. Get him into some intermediate throws. Let's see how he looks, see how those mechanics are. That's something I'm looking for. Also, the situation behind him with the the backup quarterback spot, that is something that we got a couple of different tweets about, uh, not being (laughs) feeling good about the backup quarterback situation, and that's an area where I think we're going to see a lot of this week. QB coach and passing game coordinator Mike Yursich talked on Tuesday about that spot and why Chris Chuganov has been that number two quarterback so far, and he referenced that Chuganov is familiar with the system so that's given him the edge but that they're continuing to evaluate between Chuganov and Gunnar Hoke a lot of us thought it would be Gunnar Hoke after he transferred in and that was kind of the scuttlebutt is oh it's the quote-unquote quarterback competition between Justin Fields and Gunnar Hoke which we obviously knew was a farce but I think it is a little bit surprising that Hoke hasn't taken that second spot probably is that familiarity with the offense that Chuganov has but Neither guy has looked very inspiring so far through the course of of three games and a lot of garbage playing time, and they're going to get a chance again this week. So that backup quarterback position, especially if they get a couple of reps behind the first-team offensive line, I think that that's that's something to watch, is either of those guys getting reps behind the first-team line because it is important to have those reps in a game situation. Obviously, we don't want to see that. We don't want to see Justin Fields out and have either one of those guys play uh, any meaningful time going forward the rest of the season. But to just know what they have in those situations would be good. I don't know if they'll do it, but we will see both of those guys a lot. Hopefully, they play better than they have so far. I brought up the offensive line. That is a whole position group that we are going to see a lot of. What is that depth? look like behind that first team. I think we've all been pleasantly surprised with how they've played so far. Day said he thinks that Brandon Bowen and Wyatt Davis are two of the better offensive linemen in the country, which is a nice spot to be in after what the offensive line was last year. But those guys have been good so far. So just another opportunity for them. Get some strong reps at the start of the game and then Let's see what, what's happening behind them. Let's see some of those young guys play. See some of them with the first team offense. And then when it's straight up second team, how well can they move the ball? They haven't really done it a ton so far. It's not like we're going to see a ton of those guys against teams like Penn State or Michigan State as a, as a total group. Maybe we'll see them individually. But it still would be nice to see them sustain a couple of long drives against a, a team that they should be able to move the ball against. So... That's something they're going to get another opportunity to do. And then defensively, for me, I don't think we can learn a ton about what this defense continues to be and what they evolve into. But I still think that every game for them is an opportunity to improve and to show that the improvement they've shown so far is real. Because 
they've been they've been pretty damn good so far. I don't think there's any way of really getting around that, especially the defensive line. But there's still a part of me, and I referenced this on the Indiana recap, that I'm still a little bit not concerned or worried, but I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, when it comes to them playing against higher level talent and when we talk about this team possibly being a playoff contender or playing for something as large as the national championship at the end of the year, they're going to have to play teams with really good skill position players. And that's something they, they haven't quite seen so far yet this season. They're not going to see it again this week, but I keep hammering at home. This was a defense that gave up big plays and yardage to almost everyone they faced last year. And they haven't done that so far this season. So this is just another week of, yeah, it's an inferior opponent, but there were a lot of inferior opponents the past couple years that they gave up yards to. This is another step for them if they play another good game right before the Big Ten schedule. And a Nebraska offense who can generate some pretty explosive plays with Adrian Martinez and, and some of their skill position players out wide. So just another opportunity to show that, hey, this is a much better defense than what we've seen. Tighten up a couple things. Hopefully see some more havoc plays from the linebackers and the secondary. And just like every other position group, let's see some of those young players get on the field. Young linebackers, young safeties, hopefully a lot of Josh Proctor. And uh, Justin Hillier too. Not a young guy, but they mentioned him at that bullet position along with Brendan White. I can't really remember how much we saw him in the Indiana game, but just to get him back, it would be fun to see him play a lot of this game and to just be healthy out there making plays. All right, so before I give my final thoughts on this game, we're going to take a quick break, pay some bills, hear from some sponsors, and when I come back, I'll give you my final take or prediction on Ohio State's game on Saturday versus Miami, Ohio. All right, I am back here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. Thank you to our sponsors for sponsoring this show and putting some extra money in my banking account. That's always appreciated. And uh, first and foremost, thank you to the listeners for putting up with the advertisements. We know advertisements on podcasts aren't the best, but for those of you that got the fast forward down, you, you know what to do. So stick with us and uh, we, we appreciate it. Um, just wrapping up. This week, I, I've probably repeated myself. I'm going to go back and edit this and realize I just said the same thing over and over for 15 minutes. But in conclusion for this game, I really think it's just about, one, getting out of it healthy, being ready to go full swing for the Nebraska game next week. And then, two, just working on those minor details and continuing to improve, whether that's Justin Fields and his accuracy, the overall identity of the offense will continue to grow uh, more offensive line play, more depth from them. Let's see what that looks like. Defense continuing to show the improvement that they have so far to begin the season. And then uh, a lot of young guys, whether that's Garrett Wilson, I think he's going to have a very big game. More Master Teague and Marcus Crowley at running back. We'll see a lot of them. Maybe a little bit of Jalen Gill at that H-back position. Everybody along that second team offensive line and then defensively probably see more of Javante Jean Baptiste he had a sack last week I don't know Tyree Smith's situation for the rest of the season but I would assume that you're going to see a lot more of a guy like Jean Baptiste also Zach Harrison he's got to be ready to go we've seen him more early uh, in the last couple of games so that's encouraging and I 
continue to think we will see more of him going forward. Um, young linebackers, defensive backs, basically everywhere. Getting these young guys involved before they hit that four-game threshold for the redshirt, and you see what you have left for the rest of the season out of them. And then finally, backup quarterback position, Gunnar Hoke, Chris Chuganov, which of those guys is going to step up, really take that job and show us at the very least we can be somewhat confident that if they're forced to play, they can do enough to move the offense and not make us think like, oh man, if Justin Fields goes down, then everything is tanked. So maybe that's going to happen anyway if Fields gets hurt, but it would be nice to see them move the ball later on in the game because they're going to get a lot of playing time. Overall, should be a big Ohio State win, something like 56-7, maybe pitch another shutout, and we're all happy afterwards, especially if there's no injuries. That's really all you can hope for in a game like this. Lastly, before I get out of here, it is a fantastic week around college football. I'm really excited to watch all of these games this weekend. And for Ohio State fans, for us, it's one of those where we don't have to be fully invested in their game because we know what's going to happen. Ohio State's going to roll and you can pay attention to the lot a lot of other really cool stuff happening whether it's in the big 10 that michigan wisconsin game is going to be very intriguing jim harbaugh still hasn't won as an underdog at michigan i don't think he's going to do it on the road at wisconsin maybe their defense is able to step up and slow down wisconsin's running game but how is michigan going to score that is the real question against that wisconsin defense You also have Michigan State at Northwestern, which I don't think is a game between two good teams, but is also funny to just be like, who is going to score in that game? That legitimately may be a game that ends 6-3. to So that's worth watching just for the laughs. Um, Auburn at Texas A&M is a good SEC matchup. Washington at BYU. Can BYU beat another Pac-12 team? You know, what happens? How do we view Washington if they lose and they are 2-2 two and two at this point through four weeks? Oklahoma State at Texas. I think Oklahoma State has won the last three games. They've played in Austin, and a, a loss here would obviously derail any of the ideas that people had about Texas being a, a playoff contender, which already on the ropes with that loss to LSU. But I I really think that expectations would come crashing back down to earth if they lost at home to Oklahoma State, which is very possible. I'm really high on the Cowboys this year. This is their first big test. I don't feel confident that they're going to do it, but I think that there's a legitimate shot that Oklahoma State wins that game. And finally, the big one, Notre Dame at Georgia. I don't know where you guys are at on this one. I know a lot of you hate the SEC no matter what and also hate Notre Dame. I think we're all in the same place. But I think the funniest scenario would be Notre Dame winning this game and beating Georgia on the road and kind of quieting all that talk about not being able to beat a high-level team. But conversely, it would be fun to watch them get stomped. So this is one where like, I don't have much love for either of these teams. So I don't, I don't think you can go wrong here. If Georgia loses, it's funny. If Notre Dame loses to a top-level team again, that's funny too, especially if they get blown out again. So can't go wrong. Should be a fun watch. I think that is the night game on CBS. So a lot of really great college football this week. And I know last week's slate, people were like, oh, it's it's bad. There's no games on it. And it ended up being pretty good. I think this is one that it looks pretty good and it's going to end up being pretty damn good. So another fun week of college football, probably the best week so far. 
And it's great for us because we get to be selfish. Ohio State is probably going to roll and we get to enjoy everything else going on and, and kind of just have a relaxing Saturday. But no matter what, whether Ohio State wins by 50 or by 60, I'm going to be around here on Saturday, probably early Sunday is when you will hear the episode. But I'll be back with another recap episode right after the Miami Ohio game instant reaction podcast. So make sure at Holy Land Pod, at Dubs Co on Twitter, at Land Grant 33. That's how you guys get involved with the show. Send me your comments, your questions, how you feel about the Nebraska game. We can start talking about that. Anything going on around the Big Ten, whatever happens in these other games, if you want to talk about, if we want to make fun of Michigan for having 15 rushing yards against Wisconsin with that new offense, we can do that too. So at Dubsco, at Holy Land Pod, at Land Grant 33, send all of that stuff there. We'll talk about it on the Instant Reaction Podcast the second that Ohio State is done playing Miami, Ohio. But until then, I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, also follow along on Spotify. I'll talk to you guys on Saturday. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope you have a fun time watching the Ohio State game. My name is Colton Denning. This is the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.